Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, we've got new set previews abounding mid one of the best flashback formats we've ever had. <laughs> Day two of the arena open. I am overwhelmed with magic right now. I messaged Ben on Friday because we had thought we had an extra week to talk about Shadows of Renistrad Remastered before having the preview episode leading into the crash course. But that was not the case. So I messaged him. I was like, oh, I think we're actually already doing previews this weekend. And he was like, no, I'm on magic overload. I can't think about this. I was like, (laughs) so do you want to skip the preview episode and just do the crash course? And he was like, wait, I thought you just meant like our preview cards from WotC. I was like, no, 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 the full episode. And so... Ben had a bit of his own crash course this weekend, actually having to look at the spoilers. So uh, how you feeling? You feeling prepped and ready to, to chat about some previews? I'm feeling prepped and ready to go. I took my Friday evening and I did my homework, read through the whole spoiler, got the show notes updated, got the cards linked, have a crick in my neck from trying to read battle cards <laughs> sideways on the screen. Worst design choice ever. Am I right? There's no reason for those to be sideways. Zero. Other than like, we want to transmit the width of the world of Magic the Gathering. Can I please just read vertically? Old man shouts at clouds is happening on our show right now. I'm I'm curious if people will be able to hear a difference in audio quality when we tilt our heads to read those, like <laughs> moving our mouth away from the microphones. You know, I was noticing that. I was like, how am I going to do this a little later? Um, So that is what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking all about March of the Machine previews, then there are a lot. We're like smack dab in the middle of preview season with the full spoiler dropping next Friday, which means we will be doing the crash course next week, followed by pre-releases in paper before it releasing on the following Tuesday on Magic Arena. So a lot of exciting stuff happening, but we're also smack dab in the middle of a lot, as you said, of Shadows of Innistrad Remastered content. We were excited to talk about the format a little bit more, and we have quite a bit to report from the weekend as well, another jam-packed weekend of high-stakes magic with the Lords versus Resources showdown on Friday, which we, we won't be talking about at all, right, Ben? <laughs> of course not. Please, no. If you didn't watch it, there will be no evidence. It's been burned from the internet. Um, no, so we have that to talk about, and we also are, as we often are, smack dab in the middle of Arena Open Day 2. Both of us have drafted our first decks, hopefully the first of two decks. Um, we haven't played any games yet. So let's chat about that. Let's let's talk about the elephant in the room, the loss against Team Resources on Friday, Ben. Anything you, you want to say? Should I just take the reins here? No, I'm glad to chime in here. I think I was unconfident going into it. And I think that was exacerbated by getting in my own head with team draft. I I mostly got there on a blue-red spells deck. I drafted a Rise of the Tides combo deck and was just very unsure of what was happening in the draft. I put Marshall on green-black, who I was passing to, and pack three, pick one. I had a choice between Sin Prodder and Spider Spawning. Sin Prodder was great for my deck, but I thought Marshall was green-black, and so I didn't think I could risk passing him a Spider Spawning. Turns out Marshall was red green wolves and the Sin Prodder was very good in his deck. So I actually hated spider spawning from you, which probably would have made its way to you. So not a great choice there by me. Just stuff like that. And I I had some play mistakes against LSV and and BK. Both of them had a copy of Sever the Bloodline, which exiles all of my zombies. And I missed a line. And I'm not sure whether or not this would have been relevant. I assume it would against LSV. I haven't gone back and looked against the games at BK or or LSV rather because I was traumatized. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at night, but 
I didn't realize I could kill one of my zombies at instant speed to sop sever exiling all the other zombies. So definitely some sweet matches and some close games, though. Super fun all around. I thought that when so you cast Rise or had the opportunity to cast Rise twice against LSV and in one game I was watching, I think the deciding game um, where this came up, um, where you, you you both were sort of playing this game of chicken with several the bloodline hanging out in his graveyard. And I thought you were tapped out the turn you cast rise the first time when he did it and then you just didn't have time to do it the second time but but i could be wrong um but sounds like the world may, may never know because ben's not going back to watch it and <laughs> i certainly am not either uh, i also had a tough draft i mean it was it was just a tough seat for me i ended up in a sort of like bad abzan delirium deck uh, the exact spot i don't want to end up in this format but seemed to not be able to uh, shy away from but i did i think squeak out some wins i ended up two one stealing a game against LSV, who he put me to one and then left himself, he was at 10 and left himself going to one um, against my Westvale Abbey. So I could sack five things and flip my Westvale Abbey into Ermondal and attack for nine and then got to drop an explosive apparatus to finish him off for two more. So he sort of just like threw away that game that he, I don't think he needed to, as he said to me, he was like punted game one for no reason, I guess. Um, and then I, I, I managed to squeak out a win against Marshall's excellent deck as well. So, and of course can never beat BK to save my life. He, but I didn't lose to, what did he have? Like double lingering souls or something. I didn't lose to that. I lost to him melding both games against me. Just like, Ooh. I was like, I think I'm good against your one, one flyers, but then I cannot deal with them as two, one menaces, uh, the following turn. So that, that's, uh, what happened to me. So yeah, they are now up eight to five against us. Someone pointed out how cool it was that Innistrad, the spooky plane was our 13th showdown. Um, Ooh, I thought that nice. was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see them in, uh, you know, probably, I don't know, a month for March of the machine. And hopefully we can volley back against them. And how did the arena open go for you this weekend? I was incepted by LSV. I listened to the latest episode of limited resources where he outlined the Sultai delirium deck with spider spawning. And I, I know how to draft spider spawning decks, but I think I was doing it wrong. And so I tried to draft it the way he recommended last night, did it and was very impressed. And then I had outs to either be red green werewolves or I was kind of hedging towards this deck. And then pack two pick six, I got past the spider spawning and locked it in. So I am base blue greens flashing a spider spawning and some forbidden alchemy flashbacks Oof. or the loop de dupes double epitaph golem double grapple from the past. So I'm either going to crush people or go out in a blaze of glory. One of the two. Ben was like, can we swap decks? Because I have a green white <laughs> aggro humans deck. He was like, I feel like I, I will pilot your deck and you will pilot my deck better than the other player. And that's probably true. Definitely true. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. My, my games will be over quickly. That's uh, that's for sure. But I, I like my chances. But I didn't see, you know, I just didn't get anything super duper powerful. Like the best cards in my deck are all, you know, a couple of uncommons and it's mostly commons. But if I have to draft a deck that's mostly commons, green white is probably the place I want to be. For sure. Yeah, I'm going to be trying not to go to time. I'm going to try to finish my four matches Ooh, yeah. <laughs> under the clock here after we're done recording. <laughs> oh, yeah. So not only like the time of each round, but the time of the event itself. OK, OK, we'll uh, we'll talk fast here. So let's uh, take care of a couple housekeeping things. First things first is the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to get back to the show if they so choose. Patreon is a great place to go to get access to the Discord so you can be in on the best place on the internet for 24-7 limited tech support as apparently new sets are dropping every other week. I know, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I've never really felt the new product fatigue before because it's always, you know, secret layer or maybe it's like a paper product that I'm not going to play, whatever. 
I'm feeling it now. I'm feeling it now. I'm feeling the crunch of like, wait, but I just, I feel like I'm, there's still stuff to talk about with Sir. We could still talk about stuff with one probably if we had to, um, but we got a new set coming out here. So, and that's a great place to be for the Discord. You know, get to post your your paper sealed pools when you go to your LGS or whatever. Um, get to post your first draft decks and all that stuff and get feedback. Start talking about the full spoiler when it drops. All that good stuff. Got a lot of great stuff moving up the reward tiers. Get access to the show notes and the episode in a day in advance of when it's released to the public. And you can even get access to monthly coaching sessions with me or Ben. If any or all of that sounds of interest to you, head on over to the Patreon page. And we, of course, want to shout out each week we shout out our new patrons the first week they join. I will be doing that. But I also want to shout out all the folks who upped their patronage in the past week. And I assume that's in light of the news about the TCG player sponsorship. And that just meant a lot to see those rolling in my inbox. You know, the first few I was like, oh, this is like, that's nice. And then after like a lot of them were coming in, I was like, oh, I see what's happening here. This is not just a coincidence. Like I see why people are doing this. And that really meant a lot to me. So much love to you all. Thank you so much for that. And thank you to our new patrons this week. We're welcoming Stephen, Matthew, Remington, Ezra, Anderson, Weasel, Mark, Scott, Tom, Sloan, Jessica, Jan, Michelle, Samuel, Tim, Zach, Jim, and Benjamin. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate your support. Good, strong name, Benjamin. That's right. Got to end on a strong name. If I ever heard Benjamin when I was growing up, I was in deep trouble. Ooh. Always been, always been. If I ever got the Benjamin, bad news bears. That's how I, <laughs> I don't think she would mind me saying this. When I'm, when I have, have words with my wife, she's Jennifer. Oh, she's not wow. Jen. <laughs> you just need, you need more syllables to be you upset. Need more, you, know? you need more syllables. <laughs> but I'm not upset with you, Benjamin of Patreon. I'm very happy and happy for all the folks uh, supporting us over there. It really means a lot to us. Yeah. Cannot say thank you enough. All right. We're going to take a quick ad break and we'll be back with some mom previews. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially since we're constantly growing and changing. Much like a sealed pool to qualify for day two of the arena open, it can sometimes seem like life is a puzzle to solve with one correct solution. But life is a lot more complicated than that, and we're, as people, a lot more nuanced. And speaking of the Arena Open, I was recently in a real slump as far as taking multiple attempts by myself, you know, in my apartment and just feeling really bad about not being able to qualify or it being really hard for me to qualify. And it had gotten to where I had a pretty negative relationship with day one of the Arena Open. I had tried last time to tell myself I was going to do one attempt and then start streaming. And I ultimately didn't feel like I could leave that equity on the table in case someone sniped me. And then this time around, I changed it to streaming day one. And I I did qualify on the first bullet, which was awesome. But I was a way better experience regardless. And I think I'm going to be streaming them from the get-go from now on because it's just a way better mental space for me. Sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk things through. Whether that's with a friend or with a therapist, BetterHelp gives you the tools to do just that by connecting you with a licensed therapist who can guide you on a journey of self-discovery. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Lords today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash Lords. And now, back to the show. All right, Ben, you ready to turn your head sideways? I am 
ready to turn my head sideways. <laughs> I gave up. The battles were the last cards I learned. Like, I just gave up. I, something about turning them sideways or clicking rotate on Scryfall. It's just it's just a lot. Yeah, the extra step there, whatever. We're, we're going to get into it. I'm, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts about battles. These are the sideways cards in question. We'll be talking about the other mechanics that are new to March of the Machine as well. But battles have to be the first thing. They're the talk of the town. They were sort of spoiled with Atraxa in one, right? It was like, of you know, the card types revealed, you know, creature, planeswalker, instant sorcery, battle. What's a battle? Well, now we're finding out here. So these are transforming double-faced cards. Each enters the battlefield with a number of defense counters on it, which tells you how much damage it takes to defeat a battle. So sort of like loyalty on a planeswalker. As it enters the battlefield, you choose an opponent to be its protector. You attack it and direct other damage spells to it, Again, similar, like a Planeswalker, you can attack your opponent, you can attack the battles that they defend, but you still control it, so you can't like sacrifice battles that your opponent plays on you, that type of thing. And then once it has no defense counters on it, it has been defeated, and it returns to your side of the battlefield transformed. It's pretty intuitive, like for a you know completely new card type in the game, which we haven't seen in, in many years, it seems pretty intuitive to me so far. Right. It's like a planeswalker that you give your opponent with no abilities. But mm-hmm. then if you attack and kill, you get some sweet bonus, either a sweet spell, usually a, a creature that is quite good. Right. I do think it's important to note that, yes, you're giving it to them, but you still own it. It's still yours. They're just protecting it for you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So our example here is Invasion of Zendikar. Ooh, Mythic Spoiler on top of this. They've got them horizontally oriented. Shout You'll out to, to MythicSpoiler.com. <laughs> New Lords of Limited sponsor, anyone? <laughs> Sounds good to me. Uh, we've got Invasion of Zendikar, three and a green for a three defense battle. And it says when it enters the battlefield, search your library for up to two basic land cards, put them on the battlefield, tapped, and then shuffle. And then once you deal three damage to it, it flips into Awaken to Skyclave, which is a 4-4 Vigilance Haste. As long as it's on the battlefield, it's a land in addition to its other types, and it can tap to add one mana of any color. Okay, so there are a couple like thoughts, questions, comments, concerns that I have about <laughs> battles that I want to float by you here while we're talking about them. Because we'll have more battles to talk about later, but I think, you know, rather than wait, this is what this is the meat of the episode. This is what we want to talk about. So my first question for you is what does this remind you of? Because I have something in my mind that this makes me think of. This reminds me a little bit of sagas from Neo yes. mixed with War of the Spark, Planeswalkers, kind of those two things mashed together yes i think so too right you you later on when we had this in the show notes wrote like is this besage reaches skyward again this is almost better in some ways because the lands come into play immediately rather than you searching them up and this can fix your mana if that's important (laughs) i didn't even read that far on the card that's absurd what do you mean that far it's the first sentence i read search for two basic lands it never occurred to me that you got to put them onto the battlefield (laughs) okay put them onto the battlefield tap there we go ben's ben's learning in real time my other question for you is so so I think you know that part of it is like oh the are these slow and obviously not like these are going to be good like we we got over that I think with the creature sagas from Neo of like they're they're just going to be good largely um and there's going to be some nuance there beyond that what do you think about because my thought initially when I was looking at these was like well you probably like the cheaper ones are going to be better ish because you can get them down sooner. But then I started to think, wait, don't you want to, you want to affect the board early first? Because ideally, like, how sick is it if you get to play this and flip it in the same turn, you know? 
Yeah, this is going to be another board presence people format for sure. That's where the War of the Spark aspect comes in. It's like right. knowing you get to curve out maybe one, two, three or two, three, four into Invasion of Zendikar and knowing that your opponent's going to have something they have to protect. And if they don't, you get a huge bonus. I just think getting on board early is going to be super important with these battle cards. So then cards, I think we can take a couple lessons. One is the lesson of Ben's favorite keyword, which Awaken Skyclave has, which is vigilance. Like vigilance is going to be nuts, right? Attack, like ways to protect your own battles or protect your opponent's battles that they've given you to protect and ways to pressure your opponent's battles are going to be important. And the lessons we learned from Phyrexia all we want about those cards, like Chimney Rabble, like Basilica Shepherd, like these cards that both create things that can go on offense and defense are going to be really powerful as well. Right. Two-way players. Like for those of you NBA fans out there, you're looking for Clay Thompson. So oh my God. Hit those, you hit those too. threes and be a lockdown defender. <laughs> All right. Let's move on here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a couple more points about battles before we move on. There's also going to be some tension with the number of battles you put in your deck, right? Mm-hmm. If you've got eight battles and then like 10 creatures and five removal no. spells, you know, like you can't do something like that, right? You can't go hog wild. Because you have to have the creatures or the board presence to be able to attack down the battles, right? I think so. Yeah, I think it, you you want to think about them. I don't know what the ratio will be or what the like threshold or maximum number will be, but you definitely need to think about them the way you think about auras or equipment or bite spells or whatever. They're cards that need creatures, right? You, they're so bad without creatures. So your creature count has to be high enough before your battle count can get there. Well, and some of them give you good stuff on the front side too, right? Eh, so I mean, are the cards yeah. good enough on their own on the front side? How soon do you need to flip them to be good is all part of the evaluation process as well. And then what you said about two-way players also for offense and defense for your creatures, super important. But that's another thing to think about is when you're attacking your opponent's battles, you're potentially leaving the door open for them to then the following turn play their own battle and attack it down and start some sort of a race. It's just going to be crazy important, I think, to have a board presence. Well, and it's going to be crazy important to map out turns. Right? This format, I mean, we're, we're uh, inferring a lot from just one mechanic, but I think it's worth inferring that much from one mechanic because it's new. Like it's going to be, it's not even a new mechanic. It's a whole new card type that, you know, wizards and R&D will have thought long and hard about how it applies to gameplay. And so I think it's worth like thinking about how it's going to impact the limited environment. And I think it's going to be a big player. And I think, you know, mapping out those turns is really going to be key in getting a leg up in gameplay. Well, and also they're crazy powerful, right? This is probably one of the best ones. It's only an uncommon. They're (laughs) all powerful, right? So this is four mana. Assuming you can do three damage to this. This is four mana for a four, four vigilance haste that taps for a mana of any color that when it ETB'd ramped you to lands. Like if you accomplish that, you are so far ahead like almost think about these cards as objectives like in the game and you have your overarching game plan of killing your opponent right but then there's many objectives of you know attacking your own battles that you gave to the opponent while defending the ones that your opponent gave you and as as you're completing those objectives the game is going to start to turn in your favor right each battle that you win is going to start to help you win the war which is ultimately 
winning the game of Magic, right? Yes. Well, and I think there are, are two things I'm anticipating about gameplay. One is that it will be super snowball-y, right? It, there are going to be games where, you know, the first player to flip a battle is likely going to be the first player to win because it snowballs from there. Then you have an additional creature to protect battles that you've been given, and you have an additional creature to threaten, to attack battles that you have given your opponent. And I think we will also then see, it'll be, I, I don't think we'll see things in the middle. I think it'll either be these snowball games, maybe these fast snowball games, and then there's going to just be dead lock heat board stalls. <laughs> right? Where like both players have like given each other two or three battles, but then you're just like, well, I don't want to budge because I don't want you to flip this one. And I don't want to attack because I don't want you to, you know, like there's going to be that, that real tension there. Yeah, for sure. All right. We've also got other transforming double-faced cards back. What's going on with those? So these are just normal transforming double-faced cards. We've seen them before. The front side of the card is going to be marked with a triangle pointing up. The back is marked with a triangle pointing down. And these cards always have the characteristics of the front side when they're not on the battlefield. And when they are flipped over to the back side, they've got the same mana value as whatever the mana value of the front side is. But, you know, just normal transforming cards. In this case, there's going to be a lot of them where you pay a mana cost to flip them. And we'll see those in cards later. And we've got an example for you here now in Sun Blessed Guardian. This is one and a white for a 2-2 uncommon human cleric. That's all, just two mana, 2-2. And then you could pay five and a red Phyrexian mana to transform Sunblessed Guardian, activate only as a sorcery. And it flips into Furnace Blessed Conqueror, which is a 3-3. Whenever Furnace Blessed Conqueror attacks, create a tapped and attacking token that's a copy of it. Put a plus one, plus one counter on that token for each plus one, plus one counter on Furnace Blessed Conqueror. Sacrifice that token at the beginning of the next end step. And there is, it looks like in the uncommon slot in terms of like multicolor cards, so this isn't really a multicolor card because you can always pay the two life for the Phyrexian mana. Um, so we've got, we'll have a cycle of 10 multicolor cards, and then we'll have a cycle, I think, of 10 uncommon battles that are multicolor. And then we'll also have a cycle of these enemy colored Phyrexian double-faced cards. It's going to be a lot. This set looks complex and I am here for it. Yeah, definitely complex. Well, so we this card sort of alludes to our next mechanic, which is backup. So this is something that, that deals with these plus one, plus one counters. So backup is a new triggered ability that boosts a creature on entering the battlefield. So it always comes with a number, which represents the number of plus one, plus one counters you put on a creature. And if you choose another creature other than the one with the backup trigger, right? So you can target, the creature comes into play, it has a backup trigger, you can target itself. If you target another creature, it will also gain every ability of the original creature that is printed below backup until end of turn. So that's a lot, but it's pretty clear once we look at a card. Yeah, so we've got Streetwise Negotiator here, one in a green for an O2 with backup one. And it again says, when this creature enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. If that's another creature, it gains the following ability until end of turn. This creature assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. So that's always true for Streetwise Negotiator. So it's essentially one and a green for a 2-2, except it's an O2 here. If you put the counter on itself, it's going to brawl as a 1-3, which is going to deal three power. But you can also, for one turn, move that counter over to somewhere else to give that other creature the ability to assign combat damage to its toughness for that one turn. What does it say about me? And I'm curious if you feel a similar like pull towards this. Does toughness dealing damage excite you in any way, Ben? Because it really excites me. <laughs> it 
does not particularly <laughs> unless I were unless I were building that style of deck. It does not intrinsically excite me, no. Right, but it implies a kind of deck. I look at this card and I go, so you're telling me I could play a bunch of derpy like one fours for three mana that could be four fours with this card? Like this, this perhaps, I mean, maybe it doesn't, but this to me says, is there going to be a little like toughness matters kind of thing going on in the format? No, this is just a good card, right? Because it doesn't help multiple other creatures. It's a one shot thing, right? And then it itself. So the shtick is that you, if you put the counter somewhere else, you still get a two mana two, two. It's it's counter shenanigans is what's going on in the format. I do not think there is a toughness matters. This is a hint at it. Sorry to bum you out. (laughs) I I feel bummed out. I feel fully bummed out. I am not bummed out by this next mechanic. Rectangles have returned with Incubate. Yeah, so Incubate is a new type of token. An Incubator token is a colorless artifact token with the ability pay two mana, transform this artifact. So it's a transforming double-faced card token. And so when you get these Incubate cards, they're going to come in with a number of plus one, plus one counters equal to the Incubate number. So if it has Incubate one, it gets one plus one, plus one counter. If it has Incubate three, it gets three plus one, plus one counters, so on and so forth. And then you can pay two to transform it into a zero, zero Phyrexian artifact creature that's then going to have power and toughness equal to the number of plus one plus one counters on it. And so these are tacked onto a number of different cards, or it's, you know, an an entire theme of a color pair. For example, we have a card called Traumatic Revelation. It's one on a black for a sorcery. Target opponent reveals their hand. You may choose a creature or battle card from it. If you do, that player discards that card. If you don't, incubate three. So you create this incubator token, you put the three counters on it, and you can pay two to flip it into that zero zero Phyrexian artifact creature. It'll flip into a two mana three three in this sense. And it'll have haste. That's important to note, right? So like if I play this on turn two, I could flip my incubator token on three and attack with it that following turn. Ooh, nice. And there's just tons of good plus one plus one counter overlap between mm-hmm. backup and incubate, right? So we're going to see cards that care about plus one plus one counters either being on them or having plus one plus one counters placed on a permanent you control. And that's going to play super nicely with both backup creatures and incubate tokens get the counters placed on them to trigger those types of cards that care about that. Yeah, incubate tokens are gas. I'm very excited about them. Uh, and we've got a returning mechanic coming up. It's Convoke. Your creatures can help cast this spell. So it's an alternate way to help pay for the cost of a card. Each creature you tap while casting this spell pays one colorless, one generic mana, or one mana of that creature's color. So for example, we have a powerhouse of a red uncommon burn spell. What do we got? Stoke the Flames. This is two red red for an instant with Convoke, and it deals four damage to any target. Yeah, this card is great. The last time we saw Convoke, was it Guilds of Ravnica where it was not great? That seems right in my hazy memory. I'm sure people will tell us if it's not. (laughs) People will tell us if it's not. So my last memory of Convoke being in a a standard set was it being in Guilds. And it was, by and large, over-costed. Stoke the Flames is not (laughs) over-costed. Stoke the Flames is very appropriately costed. Uh, If memory serves, when this card last appeared, it was excellent. Um, And I assume it will be excellent again. Um, It being able to go anywhere is huge. It being four mana for four damage to any target is huge. but I think, uh, I think, yeah, if it's like this, Convoke will be great. And it also depends like what the support for Convoke is in terms of tokens like how or Vigilance. Again, Vigilance looking pretty good. You can get an attack in and then you can use that creature to help cast something post-combat. That's pretty sick. Um, looking forward to see what the Convoke cards are like. Well, and it also looks like it's in a unique color pair, right? Typically, Convoke is a green-white thing, but in this set, it looks like it's going to be in blue-red. 
I'm excited about that too. All right, before we take a look at a bunch of cards here, I want to go over the contents of draft boosters because there's also a lot going on in these draft boosters. So in every booster, you're going to get your normal rare or mythic rare. And then there's going to be a dedicated multiverse legend slot. So this is going to be essentially like Strixhaven's, you know, spellbook or whatever, where there are old cards that are getting reprinted in this slot. So each draft booster is going to contain one of these multiverse legends cards. And there's 65 different multiverse legends, either uncommon, rare, or mythic rare. There's 20 uncommons, 30 rares, and 15 mythic rares. And these are just going to be familiar faces from planes around the MTG multiverse that are characters you're familiar with. Okay. And then there's going to be one battle card per pack. So that'll be important to track. And I imagine those will be fairly high picks. There's also going to be one non-battle double-faced card. So there'll be two double-faced cards per pack. One battle card, one non-battle card, which ultimately ends up meaning you're going to have anywhere from three to five uncommons per pack, including those double-faced cards, battle cards, multiverse legends, if those happen to be double-faced, whatever. And then as a result of all that, you're only going to end up with eight to nine commons. And in a third of those boosters, you're going to get a foil of any rarity replacing a common. And then we've also seen, as far as fixing goes, <laughs> what? No, it's just this, this is so much in terms of pack complexity. I know. It's a ton of information to track. And then we've also seen the cycle of ETB tapped gain lands. And so those common dual lands are going to replace a basic land in 50% of packs. So they're either going to have a basic or one of those ETB dual gain lands. So there's going to be a lot going on in these packs to track as far as what's missing and what's not as we go through, you know, booster, I don't know, the anatomy of a booster as you're considering what card to pick. Well, and I feel like I have you to thank for finally something that is like an unconscious habit for me of tracking the commons in each pack. And, you know, if there is a dedicated slot of a kind in the format, like I'm always looking for the flashback card this week. I'll always be looking for the morbid and macabre card next week in Sir Drafts. Um, There's so much to track here, but that also is going to reward people. The quicker you learn this breakdown, the quicker you can start to glean information. Yes, for sure. All right. Enough theory crafting. I want some card crafting here. We've got quite a few. It looks like perhaps at least a card from each of the color pairs at Uncommon previewed. So we can start to sort of get a sense of what the color pairs maybe are trying to do. First up, we've got Blue Black has Halo Forager. This is one blue black for a 3-1 fairy rogue with flying. When it enters the battlefield, you may pay X. When you do, you may cast target instant or sorcery card with mana value X from a graveyard without paying its mana cost. If that spell will be put into a graveyard, exile it instead. This card, though. That's spicy. This reminds me of, it's not fair a fair comparison because this was in a bad, like, family as it were from streets of new capenna but this reminds me of the uh the the three mana three one that then you had x attached to it and then if you paid the x you could go search your library for a creature with mana value x so like this just on its own as three mana three one flyer that's good i mean i guess it depends what sort of like you know one one flying tokens of their spirits we know there are thopters uh, how prevalent those are gonna be um you know this will get better or worse But then the fact that you have this modality and this scalability in the game and that it can hit your opponent's graveyard too, that's all pretty spicy. Yeah, this format looks pretty juiced as far as power level, but (laughs) all of these cards we're looking at for the most part are uncommons. There's boatloads of uncommons previewed and not that many commons so far. All right, so that takes us on to green-white, green-white 
gold uncommon here is botanical brawler this is green white for a zero zero trample that etbs with two plus one plus one counters on it and it says whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are put on another permanent you control if it's the first time plus one plus one counters have been put on that permanent this turn put a plus one plus one counter on botanical brawler so this is going to get huge and it is going to brawl yeah, and it's going to play super well with its respective color pair battle, which is Invasion of Moag, two green-white for a battle with five defense counters. When Invasion of Moag enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. Hello, travel preparations? Is that you? <laughs> um, I mean, it's not quite because it only puts a counter on it, but it's like this is a card that explicitly is like, play a two drop, play a three drop, then play me. Then maybe you just get this battle immediately. And what does it transform into if you defeat it for its five defense counters? Bloom Wielder Dryads, which is a three, three Dryad with ward two. At the beginning of your end step, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. Not like that juiced, honestly, on the back, like good, but not great for what I was like, how explosive the potential of the front side is. The backside is a little underwhelming to me, but Maybe just that front side is explosive enough and good enough for pressuring battles. Well, I think this is a, another good point to like slow down and evaluate battles, right? Because the, yeah, the first yeah. one we looked at, Invasion of Zendikar, was crazy powerful, right? You are uh-huh. playing Invasion of Zendikar in any deck that can cast it, I think. Invasion yeah. of Moag, you have to be interested in the front side before you're playing this battle, right? You have to be interested in four mana put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. Right. Well, and I, I think it's, again, it's hard to evaluate the the difference of defense counters. But one of the reasons that I thought the uh, invasion of Zendikar looked so appealing, not only because of the front side effect being good, but three defense seems pretty doable. Five defense is tough. Like, I mean, sure, I could play two drop, three drop, get a counter on each of them. But I'm still probably like my opponent's probably got something on the board there. And so maybe they double block one. I've only get defense counters off of this partially. Like this is not nothing to try and flip. Plus that's five damage or that's two creatures that aren't attacking your opponent. Like there's so much. I I hadn't even really considered this, that like you could play battles and then still not want to attack them. Is that possible? Yes, I think that's definitely possible depending on the game state. And and also how close the game is to ending. Like you're going to have to be able to anticipate whether you want to go after their life total and what kind of a position that puts your opponent in versus trying to get valued, right? It's it's a question of length of game. All right, very, very interesting. I, I do love me a plus one, plus one counter theme, and I'm happy to see that sprinkled throughout the format. Next up, we have blue-red. As you alluded to, this is Convoke. So we have Joyful Storm Sculptor, three blue-red for a 2-3. When it enters the battlefield, create two 1-1 one, one blue and red elemental creature tokens. So you're getting three creatures for Convoke. And whenever you cast a spell that has Convoke, Joyful Storm Sculptor deals one damage to each opponent and each battle they protect. Yeah, that's pretty spicy. This is going to give you multiple bodies to potentially attack battles your opponent's has. It gives you a way to pressure your opponent's battles while defending your own. This card looks quite strong. Gives you multiple bodies to cast your Convoke spells. Yeah, that. It just does it all. And it plays very nicely with Invasion of Kaladesh, which is the blue-red Siege. So this is blue-red for a four defense battle, and it says when Invasion of Kaladesh enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 colorless thopter artifact creature token with flying, and then once you defeat it, it flips into Aetherwing Golden Scale Flagship, which is a star four flying with power equal to the number of artifacts you control. It's a vehicle, and it has crew one. Yeah, this is like this is one that I find really hard to evaluate because it's cheap, and so part of that is appealing, 
but it's two mana for a one, one flyer, which isn't great. It's fine. Um, but four defense is a lot. Like I can really see this just getting stranded a lot of the time. Well, except it gives you a body to try to start pecking in to flip it. So you're, you're going to get a damage in it. So it's essentially got three defense and then it flips into a relevant vehicle. I like this one. I like this one better than the green white one, but they're both different than the first battle we looked at in that they're asking things of you, right? They're just not rawly powerful. They're asking deck building things of you as well as board state things of you, which is a lot of things to consider, which is awesome. That's a lot of moving parts that's going to benefit players who are thinking critically at all points, you know? Yes. Next up, we have Sculpted Perfection, which is a black-white signpost. It's two white black for an enchantment. When Sculpted Perfection enters the battlefield, incubate two, and Phyrexians you control get plus one, plus one. So it's both a payoff and an enabler for these Phyrexian incubate tokens. Yeah, this looks pretty strong. I mean, it wants you to have some Phyrexians on the battlefield already when you play it, right? Because taking four mana off to do nothing while also not being a battle that you're going to get to pressure, like you're really going to need to be stable Mabel before you're you're happy landing Sculpted Perfection. But if you do, it is powerful. Right, because on its own, this is a six mana three, three. (laughs) Yes, not great. Not great. So yeah, you definitely, definitely got to jump through some hoops for this. All right, that takes us on to green black. And we've got Elvish Vat Guardian here, which again, is doing some incubate things. This is one black green for three, three elf. And when it ETBs, you incubate two. So you make that token with two plus and plus one counters on it. And then you can flip it into a creature. And you can pay five mana to transform target incubator token and double the number of plus one plus one counters on it. Oh, interesting. Okay, so rather than paying the normal two to flip something, you get to pay five to flip it and double the counters. It's what it sounds like. Also, I just realized these incubator tokens are going to play really well at instant speed, right? There's going to be right. a threat of flipping on the incubator tokens. Like if you hold up mana and you have uh-huh. an instant, but they also kind of pseudo play defense because you can threaten to flip them and block. But then if your uh-huh. opponent doesn't want to attack into them, you can use that mana to play instants. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I love a good... Uh... Love a good payoff and enabler. That's a lot. Three mana for a 3-3 plus the incubate token. That's a lot of power and toughness. A lot of power and toughness, yes. And then we've got a battle as well for black green. This is Invasion of Lorwyn. It's a five defense battle for four black green. So six mana, five defense. When it enters the battlefield, destroy target non-elf creature and opponent controls with power X or less, where X is the number of lands you control. Okay, so just basically straight up kill spell. I'm assuming the non-elf thing here is more a like nod to Lorwyn than it is a nod to elves being a thing in this format. Yeah, I think so. It's kind of cool that like all of these different planes are coming together to try to battle yeah. against the Frexians. Like I care zero most of the time about flavor and the flavor is just smacking you in the face here. And it is cool. Like I've thought, oh, that's cool. Or, oh, that's cute. Like a lot when I've read cards already. So I think, yes, you are correct about that. But also, this is just going to be very powerful, right? A battle that affects the board. Yes, immediately. Yeah, is going to be big game, right? Because you change the equation of the attacks and the blocks without your opponent knowing about it, and you get first crack at then trying to damage or kill the battle. And it transforms into Winnowing Forces, which is a star star with power and toughness, each equal to the number of lands you control. Yeah, that's I mean, that's some Besager Reaches Skyward nonsense right there. So theoretically, if you're casting this off of lands, this is at the minimum going to be a 6-6. Six, six. 
That's pretty darn good. A 6-6 with a, a destroyer creature attached to it. And obviously you got to take some time to attack this down. But I, I like Invasion of Lorwyn. Right. And again, I think we're going to end up ultimately probably sorting these battles into classes of cards, much like yes. we did with the Planeswalkers in War of the Spark, right? Mm. Not all Planeswalkers in War of the Spark were created equal. There were ones that were busted that you always mm-hmm. picked and always played. And then there were like niche ones that went in circuit archetypes and were role players in those archetypes and weren't crazy powerful, but you could get them late if you were in that archetype, which was kind of nice. And I think Invasion of Lorwyn seems like one of the busted ones. And the the green, white, and the blue, red ones that we looked at prior to this, I think were a a little more narrow. Yeah, that's fair. All right, that takes us on to blue, green. The card we've got here is Mutagen Connoisseur. One (laughs) blue, green for an O5 with flying and vigilance, and it gets plus one, plus O for each transformed permanent you control. That's pretty sweet. So this, you know, obviously plays with just battles with those uncommons. This also plays with incubate tokens. Yeah, and the cycle of enemy colored flip uncommons. There's a lot of things that transform. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And this is flying vigilance, right? It hits that hits that box of offense and defense as well as evasion for a pretty reasonable mana cost. This looks super good to me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't even thought about the flying and vigilance playing with the battles. Okay, that's pretty awesome. Next up is red white. We've got mirror shield hoplite. It's red white for a 2-2 human soldier with vigilance. And it says whenever a creature you control becomes the target of an ability from a backup, you may copy that ability. You can choose new targets for this copy. This ability only triggers once per turn. So getting double backup effects is pretty sick, but I don't love that this is only a payoff. You know, I really love that. Really, I mean, is it too much for this to also have like backup just plus one plus one or something, you know? I mean, but it would also get that ability or they would have to put that ability up above. Oh, like it would go infinite, right? The way backup works. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you're right, you're right, you're right. That's fair. So, I mean, they could template it in the other order <sighs> so that it didn't do that, but I think it is also cool that this is obviously from, I mean, you can't see the card, but this is obviously from Theros, right? Like that is a cool part about the format and that you do get the flavor of the planes in the abilities of the cards, which is sweet. But this also seems very powerful. I mean, getting to back up twice is Mm -hmm. pretty gross. Well, and I don't want to underrate the first word on this card, which is vigilance. Mm -hmm. Offense and defense. All right, that takes us on to red black, where we've only got a battle card here. This is Invasion of Asgol. It's red black for a four defense battle. And it says when it enters the battlefield, target player sacrifices a creature or planeswalker and loses one life. Okay, so two mana edict, sorcery speed. It's nice that this affects the board for sure. Um, And that way, in terms of pressuring a battle, but it's fine. And then it flips into Ashen Reaper, 2-1 Menace at the beginning of your end step. If a permanent was put into a graveyard from the battlefield this turn, put a plus one plus one counter on Ashen Reaper. So this, this seems pretty moderately statted on both sides, power level wise to me. Yeah, I think it's a little more powerful than that because you're going to be able to double spell, right? So like this one snowballier than some of the others in the sense that like if you can go creature, creature, and then uh-huh. on turn four, like maybe play an interactive spell, like maybe you play a removal spell plus this, maybe you play another creature plus this, your opponent's losing one of their creatures. Like this is just yeah. so tightly, tightly costed. Imagine if you do the thing, like that's what I'm always trying to ask myself with these battles. If you win the battle, <laughs> as it were, how good is what you get? And it's it's very good, right? You spent two mana for a two one menace that's going to grow into a threat while also killing one of your opponent's creatures. 
that's like a huge payoff for winning the battle. Yeah, you're right. I, I hadn't thought about that. I keep I keep thinking about these two mana ones like on curve, and I think that's wrong. Well, you can do either, right? Which is nice. Yeah. Next up, we have Invasion of Urgamon. It's red-green for a five defense counter battle. And it says, when Invasion of Urgamon enters the battlefield, create a treasure token. Then you may discard a card. If you do, draw a card. Love to spin some wheels. <laughs> I was going to say, you seem excited about that. I am am not at all excited about that. No, I'm not excited about it, but I am excited about the backside. It's Truga Cliff Charger. It's a 3-4 with Trample. And when it enters the battlefield, that's right, the battles, like, you know, when they transform, they exile and come back. Uh, When it enters the battlefield, you may discard a card. If you do, search your library for a land or battle card reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot going on there. For some reason, this name, Truga, makes me think of Karuga. And whenever mm. I cast Karuga from Ikoria, I would always say Karuga, like with the car- like the little cartoon eyes in your yeah, head. Like Awuga. So I say, yeah, so I say Truga, and I think of those giant cartoon eyes. <laughs> Don't know why. Wow. That's some good strategic content right there. Um, this is certainly, yeah, this 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 battle I think leaves a bit to be desired, but it also has my name written all over it. <laughs> I'll, I'll ship them all to you. <laughs> Thank you, sir. All right, that takes us on to blue-white where we've got another battle. Did you know there were this many planes in Magic no. the Gathering? Ergamon, Xerox? What the heck is Xerox? I think they're making things up. Also, it's Xerox, right? Well, right. We're calling this Xerox. Yes, based on our Lords of Limited preview card. Exactly. So this is Invasion of Xerox, two white-blue for a four-defense battle. And when it enters the battlefield, return up to one target creature to its owner's hand. So again, nice there, and it's going to be affecting the board, Uh letting you change the math, potentially immediately snowball and attack it. It flips into Vertex Paladin, which is a star-star flying with power and toughness, each equal to the number of creatures you control. So at a minimum, a 1-1 flyer. Yeah, okay. That's interesting. But yeah, I really like these ones that affect the board on the front side. Yes. And again, this is another one where if you accomplish the objective, you are significantly far ahead, right? You've bounced Mm -hmm. a thing and you presumably had some other creatures to attack this. So you're getting like four mana for a, let's say, two, two to three, three flyer plus bounce a creature. Like that's very good if you do the thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. Where to next? All right. That's going to take us to some plus one plus one counters, payoffs and enablers, basically cards that care about plus one plus one counters, whether that's via backup or incubate. So that's just going to be across like all five colors, right? Uh, I think it's going to be less blue. Less blue, but and and probably largely green, but like green-white being backup, green-black, black-white. Maybe it's just Abzan like it normally is. Well, except white-red's also definitely backing things up. Oh, yeah. Right, but there are some three-color or multicolored implications in the format as well. I think the, the dual lands, there's some rares that are three colors, so mm-hmm. there's definitely going to be some some shenanigans to be had, I think. First up, we've got Fairgrounds Trumpeter here. This is tuna green for a 2-2 elephant. This is a rare common in the mix. The beginning of each end step. <laughs> Not a rare common, but the fact that we have few commons to discuss today. Yes, a lonely common. There we go. <laughs> At the beginning of a new rarity type, a rare common. <laughs> I mean, we've already talked about a new card type today. <laughs> I mean, it could be. At the beginning of each end step, if a plus one plus one counter was put on a permanent under your control this turn, put a plus one plus one counter on Fairgrounds Trumpeter. So kind of Spellgorger weird, but for plus one plus one counters. And can't happen twice. Can't happen at instant speed. The spell gorge are weird. That's a generous comparison. All right, you're right. It's not. (laughs) This card is pretty bad, right? Like, I'm worried about 
like I'm very worried about understated cards that like don't want to tussle for a few turns. Yes, not good. Uh, next up, we've got Ruins Recluse. This is one in a green for a 1-1 with Reach and Death Touch. And it has three in a green, put a plus one plus one counter on Ruins Re- Recluse. Yeah, card's fine. I mean, it's going to block anything you need it to. going to potentially grow if you end up in one of those battle board stalls. That's a fine card. This is good early, good late, right? Mm, yeah, fine, fine early. Yeah, fine early, fine late. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, we've got Kami of Whispered Hopes. This is two in a green for a 1-1. One, one. It says if one or more plus one plus one counters will be put on a permanent you control, that many plus one plus one plus one counters are put on that permanent instead. And it can tap to add X man of any one color where X is its power. I mean, I, like, I'm going to get trapped by so many of these. Like, if everyone just plays a little bit of no rush mag- <laughs> magic, then we'll be fine. But yeah, the sort of like, if a counter gets put elsewhere, you can grow this. Or if a counter gets put elsewhere, you put an additional counter there. It's, yeah, I don't know. Three, three yeah. mana for a, a mana dork is tough. Well, but this is going to get out of control with backup or something, right? Like, so let's say you play this and then you back up onto this and it's a 3-3 three, three, and then it taps to add three. Like, that's insane. I, yeah, you're right. I mean, sure, the ceiling is there, but the floor is also there. And the floor is going to happen so much more often. This is what always happens. I'm such a skeptical card evaluator and you're such an optimistic <laughs> card evaluator. And then our roles completely reverse once we get our hands in the Start cards. playing games of magic. <laughs> I mean, what do you want? There's another uncommon here, an Axe Guard Artisan, one in a red for a 2-1. Dwarf Artificer, whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are put on Axe Guard Artisan for the first time each turn, create a treasure token. Is treasure just incidental here? There's not really like a treasure thing because the, the red-green invasion, the red-green battle also made a treasure token. I think too early to probably call that but okay. I, I would my gut says a little more incidental than not but who knows yeah maybe it's like a red green theme i don't know yeah this seems fine i mean a good target to put your backup counters surprise it's an uncommon right like that's my, my big i'm like this seems like a fine common why is this an uncommon yeah i mean it's pretty powerful in that it's gonna snowball potentially sure. yeah i mean i guess i have no idea how prevalent plus one plus one counter variability is. I mean, obviously that's what backup does. Um, but other than that, like, I mean, I, how many times is this going to trigger? Maybe it, maybe all it needs to happen is just once and then you just get a mana reduced somewhere else with that treasure token. You get the mana rebate immediately. So that's pretty nice. I don't know. Yeah, maybe this is pretty nuts. Play as well with our next card, which is Seed Pod Caretaker. Two and a white for a 2-2 Phyrexian Cleric. And when it ETBs, choose one. Put a plus one plus one counter on target artifact or creature you control. Or transform target incubator token you control. Ooh, I love the transform incubator for free-ish. For free-ish. Or it's a three mana, three, three at worst. Or, you know, you get a 2-2 plus put a plus one plus one counter to trigger that somewhere. I think this card does a lot. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, all right. So this plus one plus one counter life is is pretty sweet. All right, battles are the name of the game, even though we looked at a handful of them from the multicolored slots. I think they're the card type that's the most up in the air right now, right? Yes, they're the most interesting to evaluate because no one has ever played with them before. Mm-hmm. And I think they're clearly going to have a huge impact, much like the Planeswalkers did in War of the Spark. They are going to be the story of the limited format here. It's going to shape everything that you do in drafting, deck building, gameplay. Yep, for sure. All right, so we've got another one here, an Invasion of Muraganda. This is four and a green for a six defense battle. And when it ETBs, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. Then that creature fights up to one target creature you don't control. And then it flips into 
Primordial Plasm, which is a 4-4, and at the beginning of combat on your turn, another target creature gets plus 2, plus 2, and loses all abilities until end of turn. Similar to the black-green one that's removal, it's the same deal here. Very powerful. The, the, the battles that are removal that turn into relevant creatures are very good. Well, and the backside of this, it's like battles beget battles, that once you flip this... This also does such an excellent job of either whatever, just pressuring your opponent, but also pressuring other battles, because not only is the plus two plus two on combat on your turn good for your creatures, but you can also in the world where like you've got an evasive threat and your opponent has a way to block it, you can ground their flyer or their reach creature by giving it plus two plus two and having it lose abilities, and then you can crack him with your evasive threat. Ooh, love that. Next up, we have Render Inert. Is this... Battle removal? Two and a black for a sorcery at uncommon. Remove up to five counters from target permanent. Draw a card. Jury's out for me on this one. But it's not battle removal. I mean, in, in the sense of like, you get your, you can defeat a battle with this card. Sure you can. They're defense counters. No, no, no. But then you get the creature. You're not removing it from the board. Oh, for sure. Right. You're winning the war. You're winning the battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like removal makes me think like, oh, like you're killing the thing your opponent has asked you to protect. No, no, no. It's like you cast the battle. Then you remove all the counters from it, draw a card, get the creature. Yes, this is three mana, win the battle, draw a card, which I think is hard to evaluate. It's going to be tricky to see. It depends on how good the battles you have are, I guess, well, and whether or not you're going to need this. You would prefer to be able to attack the battles, right, rather than spend three mana to do it? I think so, except if plus and plus one counters are really such a big deal, the like you don't need to have that many battles in your deck. Like If you have three battles... You're probably happy playing render inert because either you kill the battle or, you know, if your your opponent has like sort of like tried to go tall with a creature, it's not that bad to remove like two or three counters from it and draw a card yeah. as the as the floor of this. I mean, yeah, I, I think three mana. It's hard to say. My three guess is three, this is going to yeah. be we should have put this in greater garbage. My, my guess is this is going to be less good than you would think. I think, I know. I, well, then who would think? I don't know. A person. You. The you being the, a person, not you, <laughs> Lord Tupperware, Ethan Sachs. Okay. Thank you. All right. Next up, we've got Invasion of Dominaria. This is two and a white for a five defense battle. So when it ETBs, you gain four life, draw a card. Love that. Mm-hmm. And it flips into a four, four flying vigilance. Ooh, what? I mean, it's hard to defeat it's five defense and it doesn't help you to defeat that. But if you do... Getting you a Sarah Angel, my goodness. Yeah, the, the Sarah Angel half is going to be real good. And I guess I say I like gain four life draw card. You're spending three mana to not get any board impact here, right? Right. So this is, this is different than the fight ones. And notice the fight ones are costed five or six, but they're still going to be very powerful at five or six mana, I think. Well, and also you saying I like is like Ben likes this kind of cozy effect. It's not <laughs> I like this in this format, yes. which is a subtle but important distinction. Yes, I agree. Much much like what were you excited by earlier? Much like you were excited by <laughs> toughness dealing damage. The text gain for life and draw a card is exciting to me. There you go. Next up is Invasion of Mercadia. It's one on a red for a four defense battle. When it enters the battlefield, you may discard a card if you do draw two cards. So we have a variant here on the Tormenting Voice, Thrill of Possibility, you know, the, the draw two, discard two effect. And then it flips, if you defeat it, it flips into Chiron Flamerite. It's 3-3 three, three for a Goblin Spellshaper. 
You can pay two and a red to tap, discard a card, create two 1-1 one, one blue and red elemental creature tokens. Creatures you control get plus one, plus oh, and gain haste until end of turn. What a cool throwback to this kind of card from Mercadian Masks. I was not playing then. Tell me what the throwback is. Oh, there's like like waterfront bouncer. There was like a two mana one one. Mm, oh like yeah, yeah, pay, yeah, I know that card. Okay. Blue tap it, discard a card to like get an effect. So like these spell shapers have you can basically turn any card in your hand because it's a cost and discard a card into the effect on these spell shapers. Right, right, right. I've I've seen that card. I just wasn't playing a lot during mass block, but I know that reference now. Yeah, this is sweet. I, this is another one where. I think this is not in the always play category necessarily, or maybe it is because it's so it's such a low floor. The floor is so high, right? Just two mana, yeah. two, like to get the battle on the battlefield. You're just paying two mana. You get some card selection, and then if you ever kill it, the thing you get is very strong, right? Right. I feel. I mean, you can't. I don't know if you like load up on this, but like, I feel like any red deck wants the first copy of this. Yeah, I think you're right about that. All right, next up, we've got Invasion of Kamigawa. This is three and a blue for a four defense battle. And when it ETBs, tap target artifact or creature and opponent controls and put a stun counter on it. Ooh, love that. And then it transforms into Rooftop Saboteurs, which is two, three for a flyer. And when it deals combat damage to a player or battle, you draw a card. What? To a player or battle, draw a card? Player or battle, draw a card. I mean, it's very nice in that it's board impacting as well. This is another one that's going to be awesome to curve into right yep those are the ones i have my eye on the most but i also feel like other people will as well right but it just dictates how you have to engage with the format so similar to you know phyrexia all will be one in that like you couldn't just get three poison counters or you were in big trouble like you're not gonna be able to keep hands with invasion of kamigawa and no two or three drop or if you put this in your deck you're gonna want to have a plan of being a tempo deck or a tempo aggro deck, something something along those lines, right? Yeah, no, that's totally true. Next up is Invasion of Ragatha. This is two and a red for a five defense counter battle. It says when Invasion of Ragatha enters the battlefield, it deals four damage to another target battle or opponent and one damage to up to one target creature. So potentially very impactful, but also potentially not. But pretty sick to have played a battle into this. Yeah. but And potentially, like, can you imagine if you get the full two for one? Like if your mm. opponent plays an X one? Good Lord. Yeah, potentially three for one because it flips into Disciples of the Inferno. It's a four four with prowess. If a non-creature source you control would deal damage to a creature, battle, or opponent deals that much damage plus two instead. Oof. I mean, yeah, what else can you say? But oof, this is very powerful, right? It's hard to flip because it's five defense. Mm -hmm. But man, is it powerful if you do the thing. Mm -hmm. That's a hard one to evaluate. Yeah, I think so. Next up, we've got Invasion of Belanon. This is two and a white for a five defense battle. Whenever it enters the battlefield, create a two, two white and blue knight creature token with vigilance. And then it flips into Belanon War Anthem. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Interesting. I mean, the knight token having vigilance, super relevant. Sure. I mean, it's it's just just a a, a battle that gives you a creature, which we also haven't seen a ton of, right? We saw that blue red one that gave you a thopter. I think this is pretty okay, right? (laughs) Pretty okay. You heard it here first. Ringing endorsement. (laughs) That's right. Lords of Limited. Yeah, that's how I feel about it, too. I'm like, eh. the fact that this also doesn't, I mean, I guess it gives you a creature on the front side. It doesn't flip into a creature. But the fact that it doesn't flip, like the thing I'm getting 
I guess it implies I will have had, I must have had something on the board to get the battle. But then the fact that it doesn't flip into something that helps me defend my own battles that I have to protect. I don't know. This seems like tier two to me, certainly compared to like the removal ones or the ones that directly affect the board to help you win the battle right away. Or the ones that are just like, this is like this front side is a card I'd play, like the tormenting voice one. I'm like, I'm just going to play that card. And then if I can flip it, that's gravy. Yes. Yeah. These are, I mean, these cards are really cool. I wonder how much of a puzzle it will be. Like how, will it be a day? Will it be a match of puzzles before you're like, I get all these? Or is it going to be a couple weeks before we go, okay, this one I thought was good and is bad. Or this one I thought was good and is really great. Like, I, I hope it's the latter, obviously, but we'll see. Yeah, I would say probably a week of playing with them before you can really start to see the power level. But I think even more than that, the, the power level, the individual cards, it's going to be the like how they impact the flow of the game is going to be the more interesting part. Right, for sure. All right, we've got a couple convoke cards to check out here. The first one is Sheevan Branch Burner. This is five red red for a four four flying haste with convoke. So volcanic dragon, assuming you can tap one creature higher upside than that if you've got a full board. Yeah, and worse if you don't. But I think yeah, that's, that, that that's seems, to be expected. Right. But that this, seems not great to me. This seems like a Guilds of Ravnica like kind of card. Like this doesn't seem aggressively costed to me. Yes, clunky. Yeah, clunky. What about Ramosian Greatsword? Four in a red for an equipment with convoke. Equipped creature gets plus three, plus one, and it has trample, and it has an equip cost of two. Also, the C word <laughs> gets, gets another yeah. clunky for me. Well, it's like Dwarven Hammer from Callheim, except that Dwarven Hammer for five mana came with a body attached to it. Yes, this has convoke to make up for that presumably mm-hmm. because the equip cost is very reasonable for what you're getting plus three plus yeah. one for equip two that part's good but just the whole getting it on the battlefield and then getting it equipped i don't love that card i also don't love this next one yeah this is artistic refusal four blue blue for an instant with convoke and you choose one or both this is an uncommon counter target spell draw two cards then discard a card this is again super clunky looking here. Okay. The like the fact that Stoke the Flames was here had me thinking that we might not be getting these wildly overcosted convoke cards, but I'm I'm thinking otherwise currently with these three. But time will tell. Time will tell, yeah. Way too early to call something like that. We just haven't seen hardly any of the commons. Right, that's gonna take us on to some incubate cards. First up is Furnace Gremlin. It's one in a red. And it's got uh, ooh, a little throwback here, a little smoke breathing. So there's one in a red for a 1-2. It has one in a red activated ability to get plus 1, plus 0 oh until end of turn. And when it dies, incubate X, where X is Furnace Gremlin's power. Oh, I love this card. Yeah, I mean, it's very expensive to pump it, but you're essentially getting a 2 for 1. I don't know. It's it's a little mana intensive, but I do think it's powerful. It's a little mana intensive. I mean, I guess it's not quite the same, but as, as much as we're talking about War of the Spark, what was it? It was like Tybalt's maybe Ravager or something. It was like one in red for a one-two, and I think you could pump it. I think it was like maybe two mana to get plus two plus O. Oh. It might have been the exact same. Two mana to get plus one plus O. Oh. No, it was plus two plus O. Oh. And then when it, but when it died, it dealt a damage to anything. And so, you know, you could, it could just straight up trade with a two toughness thing with no mana investment. This can't do that. But what you're getting is rather than just a little one damage, you're, you're getting an actual like two, two potentially, you know, later in the game, this dies into something that flips into a three, three. I don't know. I like this little guy. 
I would be worried about the mana intensivity up it. I bet it. you would. I, I bet, bet if that's a word. Would. Well, because you're again, what you said earlier applies to this card, right? You you should be wary of understated things for their cost. Yes, this, this is understated for its cost without another mana investment. So if you have to pay two mana to trade with your opponents to drop, don't get to advance your board. They do get advanced their board. Yes, you get the incubate token value, but the overarching way to get value is going to be defeating battles. Okay, fine. Who said that? I said that earlier. That's I'm smart. I'm a smart <laughs> that guy. Sounds smart, yeah. <laughs> that sounds pretty smart. All right. Next up, we've got Norn's Inquisitor. One and a white for a one one. When ETBs, you incubate two, and whenever a permanent you control transforms into a Phyrexian, put a plus one plus one counter on it. So okay, so this is two mana for a one one plus like a two two. You have to work for potentially well, three three because when you flip it, it'll turn into a three three. Right. If this is on the battlefield, when that thing flips, it'll flip into a three three plus pumping all your other incubate stuff. But like, again, do you have time to flip incubate cards with battles running around? Well, plus this works with all of the enemy colored flip cards because those transform into Phyrexians on their backside. Oh, wow. Another, but those are all, again, late game flips. Those are all expensive flip costs. Right. But getting another plus one plus one counter yeah, on yeah, them yeah. is a, a big deal for sure. This card does a lot for two mana. Next up is Gift of Completion, one on a black for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, incubate three, and whenever a Phyrexian you control dies, surveil one. Eh. Eh, I think, yes. I'm less excited about this, yeah. Next is Tiller of Flesh. This is three and a white for a two, four uncommon. Whenever you cast a spell that targets one or more permanents, incubate two. So that tacks incubate two onto removal? Every removal spell, yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, Juiced. So- this set is juiced. I, all right, wait, I, but like, it's tough because we're, Basically, everything other than the rare common we read earlier, <laughs> everything's been an uncommon. Everything's been an uncommon, right. So these so are, but they're all very powerful and they're going to be three to five uncommons per pack. Like, so that's true. I mean, you're going to be playing with a lot of the uncommons. That's true. Can we see like what kind of removal we've got going on so far? Yeah. First up is Deadly Derision. This is another common, a rare common preview. A rare here. common. <laughs> Two black black for an instant, destroy target creature or planeswalker, create a treasure token. Whoa. So Grim Bounty at instant speed. Yeah, Grim Bounty at instant speed. Power creep is real, dude. Power creep is real. Unfortunately, this can't target battles. I think that's missing from the card, but. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe they don't need to have battles on every single card. Next up is Tandem Takedown. This does say battle on it. One green green for an instant. Up to two target creatures you control each get plus one plus oh until end of turn. They each deal damage equal to their power to another target creature planeswalker or battle yeah this is quite good instant speed fight spell with some insurance against removal potentially Mm -hmm. a good card a little difficult to cast with the green green yeah sure next up we've got merciless repurposing two for ones hello this is four (laughs) black black for an instant uncommon exile target creature incubate three so i mean you're gonna have to work for your creature but a good card i think worth spending six mana on i think so i mean the fact that this is uncommon i like I wouldn't think it would be crazy for this to be a common. Maybe incubate two, but like it's six mana. It's a little slow. Yes. A little clunky. Uh, Seal from Existence has been previewed as well. It's one white white for an enchantment with ward three. When it enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until Seal from Existence leaves the battlefield. So you could, in case of emergency, I guess, use this on a battle that your opponent put on your side, but they've already gotten the value on the front side, so it's going to feel... A little bad, but worth noting. Right. Well, you can also wait till they flip it to get it. 
Yes. Right. You don't have to like, yeah, you don't have to anticipate that they're going to attack it, though I guess that does get you to gain that life retroactively. Yeah, it's nice to have this have Ward 3 protect it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Elspeth Smite, white for an uncommon instant, and deals three damage to target attacking or blocking creature. If that creature would die this turn, exile it instead. One mana for three damage. It's better than it normally is. And I think with battles running around, it'll be easier to see when people are going to want to attack or block. I like Elspeth Smite. Certainly, if you're not a very aggressive deck, this is going to be premium, I think. Yeah, I think so. And then the last removal spell we have also has Convoke. It's a rare common. Three and a blue for Temporal Cleansing. It's a sorcery with Convoke. And it says the owner of target non-land permanent puts it into their library second from the top or on the bottom. That card is very strong. I think so, yeah. Like, that is better than all of those uncommon Convoke cards we looked at by <laughs> yes, a significant so. amount. <laughs> yeah, that I think so for sure. This is this is definitely worth doing the thing for. Wish it were an instant, but that would probably be a little too busted. Right. They'd probably have to make it five mana then. Uh, at least, yeah. Next up, we've got our Lords of Limited official preview card for March of the Machine. It's Xerox Strobe Knight. Two and a blue for a 2-2 human knight with flying and vigilance. Two keywords you love to see. Two great tastes that taste great together. But that's not all. Xerox can tap to create a 2-2 white and blue knight creature token with vigilance. Activate only if you've cast two or more spells this turn. That card is busted, right? This is juiced. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> this is a very good card, right? The fact that you get, you can pressure your opponent. You can then get the thing in your second main phase, potentially if you double spell. And you can also protect while pressuring your opponent. This just does it all. This card really does it all. Holy cow. Xerox Strobe Knight. All right. Time for some greater garbage. Sure. Talk to me about Beamtown Beatstick, baby. This is red for an equipment. Equipped creature gets plus one plus oh and has menace. It's got an equip cost of two. And whenever it deals combat damage to a player or a battle, create a treasure token. So is it back? Is this gold vein pick? I might be back, right? I mean, equip two is different than equip one, right? So gold vein pick was two mana for the thing, one to equip. But this gets menace? Yeah. I really like Beamtown Beats. I, I don't do know if that too. Makes me bad, but I it is it is exciting since that seems to be the word of the episode. <laughs> if this is bad, I don't want to be good. I think this is really good. Menace is also really important for pressuring battles. Yeah, I, I like the Beamtown Beatstick. I'm going to go okay. great. I'm going great. We, neither of us will think it's as great as Deathsea does, but I'm going to go great. All right, next up, we've got Phyrexian Pegasus, two and a white for a 2-2 with flying. And whenever it attacks, another target attacking creature without flying gains flying until end of turn. This is really interesting. So we had exactly this card. It was called Trusted Pegasus in War of the Spark. But the same thing, three mana, two, two flyer, when it attacks, give something else flying. It wasn't good. Yeah, I think that's what I my gut says about this card, too. I think this is just too understated. It's going to leave your own like battles that you need to defend vulnerable when you jump another creature into the air. You're going to have to be very aggressive to want it. And I think even not every aggressive deck is going to want it. I'm going to go garbage on Pegasus. I'm going garbage as well. So we're two for two in agreement. And I, I think, unfortunately, we're going to be in agreement here. This is my first time reading this card. Storm the Seed Core, two green green for a sorcery. Distribute four plus one plus one counters among up to four target creatures you control. Creatures you control gain vigilance and trample until end of turn. I usually have to talk you off the ledge for these kind of cards. <laughs> That's why I put it here. I think Vigilance pushes this over the top. We got him, folks. I think this is great. I'm actually, real talk, no. I'm, a little, 
I'm a little worried about this one. I've been dated. I've been dated. <laughs> okay, wh- why are you worried? I just, I'm wondering, okay, so picture this versus the green-white battle. Which one? Which one is better? This or the green-white battle? Because the green-white battle put plus one, plus one counters on your team when ETB, plus it leaves the battle to be flipped. This does give trample and vigilance, which is a huge deal. I don't know. This one's really hard. I wanted your take. That's what I, I have no idea. I don't know. I mean, like, this is better on turn four. Like, two drop, three drop this is really good. Like, battles aside... That this is just literally travel prep with upside. Oh, it's oh, you don't have to have four creatures. Yeah, all right. This I'm on, I'm on team grape. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Right, I'm on team grape. <laughs> That's uh, three for three. All right. Next up, we've got Scrappy Bruiser. This is three and a red for an uncommon three four. Whenever it attacks, up to one target attacking creature gets plus two plus zero oh, and gains trample until end of turn. Return that creature to its owner's hand at the end of combat. It's nice that this is up to one. This seems like all upside to me. All upside, but are you happy with four mana three four with this ability? I think so. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess yeah, happy is probably not the right word. This is probably not going to feel like a four drop I want to fight for. You know, like is this going to be worse than f- some four drop commons? Probably. Right. So I think by the rules of the game, like this is probably mediocre, and by the rules of the game, it has to be garbage. I think that's true. Right. Can't can't say neither. Uh, next up is Copper Host Crusher. What? Six green green, so eight mana for an eight eight with trample and hexproof. Greater garbage. G- garbage. That's my gut too. Is it just too expensive? Eight it's, mana? I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose to it for sure and be super tilted while I'm losing to it. I mean, I don't know why hexproof is back. Like at least make this like ward four or something. Like hexproof is I guess annoying, but eight mana is so much mana. Right, especially when it seems like the games are gonna be compressed to the early turns, like by the time this is coming down, if you've been ramping to it, you're going to have lost so many battles that I don't know that this pulls you back. My, my guess is this is too slow. I'm going to go garbage. I'm going garbage as well. Lastly, here we've got Omen Hawker. This is blue for a 1-1 uncommon, and it taps to add a colorless and a blue. You can spend this mana only to activate abilities. Too early to say, right? Probably. Too early to say. What? what but like, what are the abilities that would exist? Yeah, so I think primarily right now, this would be for transforming the Incubate tokens. Yeah, except we haven't seen those in blue yet, so it doesn't mean they don't exist. I guess, I mean, by the rules of the game, I must choose, and I will say garbage for now. This seems maybe it's more like a constructed plant, but I, I'm very, very intrigued by this card. Yes, I, I think it is intriguing as well. I, I guess I'll go garbage with you, but I think the jury is, we have no idea, but it's a cool card. It's definitely a cool card. I've never like never seen that like colorless and blue next to each other, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, truth be told, there are so many more cards we could talk about. We've never had so many non-rares previewed at this point, but you know, I can't make this podcast like two and a half hours. Well, and I think battles are just super duper complex. I think ultimate takeaways from this episode are the format is very likely to revolve around battles. I think certainly a big take of mine is you're going to need to get on board. Yeah, for sure. That's huge. And I think like, and then evaluating the battles in that context in terms of their floor and their ceiling and their front sides, but then also evaluating cards in the context of battles, which is also kind of weird because I mean, how many battles are you going to get? I mean, there's going to be one per pack, right? Well, that's what we said about Planeswalkers and War of the Spark, right? It's going to be that. So we do know that they're going to be very prevalent, right? War of the Spark revolved around Planeswalkers. And it's going to be even better than War because I I drafted that format kind of where I didn't even really want Planeswalkers because I wanted to treat my opponent's Planeswalkers like battles. 
And then you can mm-hmm. just give your opponents planeswalkers to attack. You're just going to be so incentivized to get on board early, I think. Yes. Yeah. Board presence people. For sure. All right. Great place to wrap us up. Tons of sweet stuff to talk about next week in the Crash Course, I am sure. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. You can come check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Thank you.